The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We recently saw the one year anniversary of the invasion by Russia of Ukraine and with that of course significant displacement of people, millions displaced and then tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands potentially likely to arrive on these shores. That of course has put and will put significant strain on our system and yesterday it was announced that there was going to be 20 million euro put into the provision of and search for further available accommodation for refugees in this country and a little earlier on I spoke to the uh, Minister Roderick O'Gorman, who is Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth and of course Green Party TD for Dublin West and I began by suggesting to him that in the context of what we are facing 20 million euros of an investment might be what the Americans call being a day late and a dollar short. No, I don't think so. I think it uh, the, the decision yesterday uh, allows the government to continue to meet the immediate needs of those who arrive in Ireland seeking uh, seeking shelter, seeking safety. But it also, um, I suppose, recognises we need to put in place longer term structures uh, for what I think we all anticipate will be higher levels of migration going forward. And, Is that and to suggest to both. that the original response was insufficient? Because the original response was, whether you, whether you mean it positively or negatively, it was piecemeal. There was a lot of, can we have private um, accommodation in people's houses? Can uh, people offer up rooms if they have them available? Would we have been better coming up with a more coherent government response with capital put behind it 12 months ago rather than now? The original response uh, was one based on a a humanitarian crisis, the like of which our country has never seen before, the like of which Europe has never seen before. So absolutely it was piecemeal. It was piecemeal in in every country across Europe. Um, But despite that, we still have a situation where over the last year, the state has accommodated 75,000 people 20,000 in international protection and and, and 55, indeed, even over 55,000 now uh, Ukrainians. That's never been done before in in the history of our state. Uh, And uh, look, it has been been complicated. It has put pressure on the system, undoubtedly. But ultimately, we have responded to uh, a wartime situation and we've responded in a way that for the for the most part, has provided shelter, provided safety to those that. Uh, that Although that the needed. manner of the accommodation that provided that shelter and safety was far from ideal, I I I I, I accept that. But again, it's it's a wartime situation, um, and I'd also recognise though that uh, you know the the very significant number of people are in good quality accommodation. Um, th- there have been times, of course, that there there is still some reliance on on tented accommodation. That's not a preference, undoubtedly, but. Again, it is a a, a recognition that we are responding to this huge humanitarian crisis at a time when we've already huge pressures on accommodation uh, in in our country. It seemed, though, at the outset that there was an aspiration to do things like try to create environments where there would be integration, where refugees would end up in places where there was access to transport, where families might be able to access schools and all the rest of it. Yet now we hear... Stadia, City West, we hear talk of Thornton Hall being used. None of that is what we would want, is it? Well, uh, both Ukrainian and international protection applicants are integrating. Uh, they're working in, in, in our communities. They're attending schools. Um, we have significant, Minister Eamon Ryan has significantly increased um, rural public transport through local links specifically to accommodate the fact that uh, a significant number of, uh, of Ukrainians in particular are located in hotels in, in rural areas. 
else. So we've done a lot to uh, to to provide for for for, for that level of, of, of integration as uh, the war in Ukraine continues, as Ireland and other countries countries need to provide additional accommodation for those who, who continue to flee the conflict. Obviously, some of the accommodation becomes more of, of a more congregated nature. Again, if we weren't responding to a crisis situation, that wouldn't be our preference. But we are responding to a crisis situation and we will continue to make sure that people have access to the labour market, have access to schools, uh, have access to those support services. In the context of that crisis, the 20 million that you announced yesterday, as I understand it, 15 is going on effectively direct, uh, sorry, direct provision is a bad phrase in the context, but the provision of accommodation for refugees, 5 million going on investigation uh, of the availability of other uh, accommodation. It seems like a pittance. This is a, a, a further investment, and it adds it adds on to the very significant, uh, you know, level of spending that my own department is engaged in in terms of the the, the provision of service accommodation around the country. It is in addition to the um, um, capital outlay that the Department of Housing has undertaken in terms of the um, the refurbishment scheme. It's also in addition to the money we're using in terms of the um, the recognition payment supporting, um, you know, o- o- almost thirteen thousand people across the country who are living in, in family homes or, or, or in vacant homes. So it is one part of the overall response uh, in, in, in terms of providing accommodation. Do you see it as a significant part? I, I think what's possibly most significant about the, the, the memo agreed yesterday is it gives us the opportunity to look at other forms of, of modular accommodation. As you know, we are undertaking a modular scheme at the moment. It's really, really high quality. Uh, the units will last for, for, for around 60 years. Um, we're also looking now at a potential or potentially a modular accommodation that would last for a shorter period of time, maybe in kind of around ten years, but would be uh, uh, would be quicker to uh, to. And to, I, I know to, people in, in, with in responsibility place. for the provision of housing often bristle when it's, uh, the term is used. But just to be clear, when we're talking modular, that's what in the old days we used to call prefab. Uh, I. <laughs> When 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 you say prefab to me, I think about the prefab I, I was in 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 school. I think uh, you know the qualities are, are are much higher. It's rapid build. It's uh, it's 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 uh, a comma. It's it's units that are pre-manufactured uh, in in a, in a factory and, and are assembled on site or sometimes brought fully on site. Now the issue with that, of course, is what site? Because we've seen issues around the provision of, uh, of modular accommodation and communities protesting the arrival and that will bring us ultimately to the, discussing the far right and, and your views on that. But before we get to the, the extremes, what's your expectation in relation to community resistance or openness to the kind of modular accommodation that you're uh, discussing and what's your um, sort of ideal target list of sites for where it's going to go? Well, I think we will continue to engage where we where we locate sites to 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 undertake any form of modular accommodation, both the modular that's that's been built now and any in the future. We engage with local communities, we engage with councils, we engage with elected representatives to give a good uh, understanding in terms of what we're proposing for a particular site. Uh, as you know, we have planning exemptions in terms of uh, um, accommodation we build in, in response to the, the the war in Ukraine and. Uh, I know sometimes that can be frustrating in terms of people feeling that the, that the, the the traditional processes that they'd understand aren't there. So that's why we do engage in this. Uh, in, 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 but do you have a target list now? Do you know, okay, there's the next 15 sites we're likely to go for? 
we there are there are the modular accommodation is being built on five sites right now and there's another 10 sites that uh, have been identified in which my department would be engaging with local authorities uh, in, in, in terms and of And do those of, 10 of, of communities of, of have they at this point been made aware that they are on that list? The local authorities would have been would be made aware, and I would say in in almost all cases, uh, elected representatives would have been made aware, uh, and there would be discussions. And in a number of those areas, we've held information days, so uh, you know um, members of of local communities can engage, can ask questions, can uh, see mock-ups of, of of the design of what the the, the, the finished uh, modular units and what the the finished development will look like. Talk to me then about how that process is working and failing in the the face of the far right, because we've seen the kind of protests that happened in East Wall. We've seen that those kind of protests repeated around the country, and there are there there's two narratives that emerge. One is that it is the far right fermenting. Um, discontent in local communities and using them as a stalking horse for their ideology and the other is an argument that says that the government has insufficiently explained who is arriving into the community and why and for how long. We've had to move quickly in terms of opening new accommodation around the country and I've always recognise that uh, sometimes that has meant we haven't been able to do that part, the, the level of consultation, uh, the, the level of public engagement, the level of public information that would be optimal. But we are dealing with a situation where, um, uh, as you know, we're not actually able to accommodate everybody right now. So we have a, a, a legal obligation to, to ensure that we can accommodate people. But you would accept here. that you haven't done enough in terms of communicating with the communities? I, I, I've recognised there in, in, in certain locations the speed with which we've had to act has meant we haven't been able to provide information with a, a, a sufficient run-in. I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely recognise that, and I've and I've recognised that when I've met with individual communities. But I think it's also important to say, and it uh, links to 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 your in, initial point, there are groups out there, there are bad faith actors out there who are using this issue uh, to to uh, and and I I would argue using kind of the cloak of concern about lack of communication to push uh, uh, an explicitly right-wing and in some areas an explicitly racist um, agenda. If they're able to move so quickly, why can't you emulate them or beat them? In what way? Well, you said that in a number of areas that you were under such force of, of speed that you were unable to get ahead of the issue and unable to properly communicate with local uh, local uh, communities. It is in those very areas where the far right has managed to do that. The far right has managed to to communicate with local communities. The far right has managed to mobilise people to protest in those communities. How can they get that done when you, who have the advantage of predicting the lead time, because it's you who is doing it, can't? You can put out a lie on Twitter in about 10 seconds, you know? Um, it's very easy to, um, you know, establish a particular narrative, a particular untrue narrative, and through, you know, retweets and and, and use and, and uh, I would argue abuse of social media, create an untrue narrative extremely quickly. And we've seen that done, and we've seen. Um, I think you know two weeks ago we had pictures of buses and an, an allegation that we that that uh, international protection applicants were being shipped into an area. It was actually buses for a school tour, and yes, that was by some areas was by some people that was taken as gospel because it was on Twitter, it was on Facebook. So it is very difficult to counteract a, um, a an untrue narrative. 
uh, pushed on on on, on social media, p- p- particularly because we know how how social media and kind of chat groups can become extremely um, segmented, and the you know the ability of accurate information to break in is is limited. There's a wider discussion there in terms of the work um, my colleague Catherine Martin's doing in terms of the online safety uh, uh, and media regulation bill and the online safety commissioner. But there is a real challenge there, uh, and you know. I recognise and I think across government we recognise we have to get better in terms of providing accurate information both on a national level in terms of the state's response to the Ukraine crisis and the state's response to the the, the wider higher levels of migration across Europe but also on a um, location by location, community by community uh, uh, level. And, and have you a plan for that, Minister? Because one of the things that, that I mean, there's a, a number of books have been written about the, the use of social media to foment uprising for either good or for bad. But one of the things that it lends itself towards is dissent, is, is um, distaste, is the negative. How do you counter that when that can move so quickly? Because mm, integration is in your title. Mm. Well, we're working closely and we're, we're working closely with both the Department of Taoiseach and the Department of, of Community and Rural Development in terms of how we design a, a, a team who will be able to, I suppose, engage, identify um, who are the key stakeholders in a particular community that need to be informed, whether it's uh, elected representatives, whether it's those involved in, you know, um, family resource centres or uh, local development projects and ensure that they have accurate information because, you know, when I make a statement that may or may not have have traction, but when a respected community leader makes a statement that will often have a lot more traction uh, and and I suppose the the factual information that they're providing will, will probably much more likely lands than maybe a politician. And again, forgive me for harping on it, but is that not something that should have been done many months ago? Um, again, if we weren't reacting to uh, such a crisis situation, we would have put put, uh, put 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 greater structures in place. I think it is worth saying, you know, a- any time new accommodation is being opened, we do engage with with uh, with uh, with TDs, with senators, with local uh, elected representatives. But we are at a, I suppose, a, a, a time of acute pressure in terms of the need to open accommodation, in terms of the need to to to, to provide shelter and security to individuals and. And I've recognised our department hasn't always gotten it right. I want to talk to you about what you you see as being the total quantum of people that will have to be housed through 2023 and how that happens. Before that, though, just one final thing on the far right. Is it your view that there is significant resources behind the far right, that there is somebody funding an overall movement in the state? Or is it pockets of, of discontent? I, I, I don't claim to be a sufficient expert in it to be able to give, I suppose, a, a, an overarching view. I'd, you know, there are groups like the Far Right Observatory who have observed, who, who have kind of noted attacks on, uh, on, on, on issue-based attacks, personality-based attacks, and have certainly seen a level of coordination of those particular attacks. Um, I do think when you look at, um, when you look at Twitter and you look at uh, sites that are, uh, pumping out or, or, or retreating very far right or very racist tropes. They're, they're not usually people. They're, you know, Eric Gabra 367 or something like that. So it looks like many of them are bots many, and, and you have to ask where the actual uh, origin of, of, of many of those. Um, 
I, I don't think there is a huge far right movement in our country. I think they've been able to use social media uh, to to amplify their voices more, far more than their kind of physical presence. And I suppose it's also worth remembering and. You know, we we spend our time kind of talking about the far right groups in in various communities. Um, there's also a huge number of people who are actively working to welcome Ukrainians, to welcome international protection applicants. These, um, you know, um, you know, East Wall for All. Um, you know, these these welcome groups. They're doing amazing work. They're doing it quietly. They're doing it on a community by community basis. Uh, and I think you know that's a much stronger reflection both in terms of what Ireland's about but also numerically uh, about what's happening across our country. Numerically, 75,000 you said in 2022 uh, 2022, of which 55,000 were refugees coming from Ukraine. Total expected number by the end of uh, 2023 and how long before you think we get out of a phase where some new arrivals to this country are being told in essence you're welcome go find a, a, a path to sleep on it's really difficult to um estimate i suppose the overall arrivals for for this year um we have seen coming up to christmas we saw a very significant increase in the number of of ukrainian displaced persons arriving here their numbers have significantly decreased since uh, since the new year um you know there's there's weeks we have kind of surges and then weeks we have real troughs so we are seeing a definite decrease in the number of of ukrainians arriving it's, it's in and around maybe 90 per day now you know we've done proje- projections uh, earlier in the year based around uh, maybe 180 arriving per day and 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 that brought us you know by the end of the year so if we projected 180 per day we'd be looking at around 130,000 by the end of this year we are not meeting those numbers aren't being seen at the moment um and if we get anywhere near those numbers can we cope it'll put a real challenge on 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 the system absolutely particularly um, I assume with some hotels not renewing if that happens but we're not but it was just important to say we're not seeing those numbers at the moment we're seeing significantly less than those uh, those numbers at the moment in terms of hotels renewing again on the Ukrainian side by and large hotels are renewing uh, up to this point we found hotels are, are renewing I think it's likely that we will lose some as we go into the tourist season uh, we are going to lose some on the international protection side we're going to lose some in, in the next number of months and that again adds to the real pressure there in terms of uh, pr- providing a uh, Accommodation and to what extent in dealing with all of this, Minister, are you and Taoiseach and the rest of the Cabinet, are your hands tied in expectation of Darrell O'Brien solving the wider problem? Well, we've always uh, said that our, our response to uh, the, the, the accommodation needs of those arriving here has to be understood in, in, in the wider housing crisis. And we've always made sure that the accommodation um, responses for international protection applicants and for Ukrainians aren't in any way interfering with the delivery of housing for all. So we took decisions in terms of Ukrainian international protection applicants. They don't have access to HAP. They don't have access to the social housing list. And look, there's there's been criticisms of, of those decisions, but I think it is important recognising that there are many people in Ireland who have been waiting for housing for a long time, that they don't feel that their needs are being put in conflict with the needs of people arriving. And that's why we've primarily relied on serviced accommodation. We've primarily relied on, the, on, on, the, on, on, on hotels and guest houses. That creates its own problems, but I do think it was the right decision in terms of you know, ensuring we can continue to deliver housing for all, which is the central priority of this government. Minister, I appreciate your time this morning. Before I let you go, the the worldwide tour of the cabinet for Patrick's Day um, commences and uh, is being planned as as we speak. 
Um, obviously, Green Party um, members are going to be um, part of that tour. Was there any qualms at parliamentary party level about taking transatlantic flights and incurring the carbon cost of those trips? When we made a decision to to enter government and take up the the role of ministries, we always saw that uh, the travel necessary to being a minister, whether it's for St. Patrick's Day, whether it's for uh, an EU Council of Ministers, whether it's for uh, engagement at bilateral level, that's part of of, of the job. And do you draw a parallel importance between Council of Minister and Patrick's Day tour? Um, I saw last year the level of access that I saw both the level of access that I had as a minister to, you know, senior politicians in the United States where I was in I was in New York and Philadelphia last year. I also saw the huge importance for the, 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 the very big Irish diaspora in both of those cities in terms of an Irish government minister coming, meeting people. Um, I personally would have been a bit cynical about the um, St. Patrick's Day um, visits in the past, but I really saw it meant a lot to people that someone from Ireland was coming over, celebrating the day with them. So um, I suppose that that certainly gave me a, an alternative sense. And where are you headed this year? I'm going to India this year, so I'll be in Mumbai and uh, New Delhi. So looking at um, engaging with some of the um, higher education institutes over there in terms of there'd be a significant uh, number of uh, Indian students undertaking postgraduate uh, education here in Ireland, hoping to meet with some uh, some women's groups, some LGBT plus groups uh, while I'm over there as well. That's the Minister Roderick O'Gorman, Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth and of course Green Party TD for Dublin West. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.